This is Dale White of the Sarasota Herald Tribune. With me by phone is Astrid Caldas, a senior climate scientist with the Union of Concerned Scientists. We are about to discuss that organization's research regarding global warming and its findings in the report, When Rising Seas Hit Home. Uh, thank you for joining me. Very welcome. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, for the benefit of listeners who are not familiar with the Union of Concerned Scientists, tell us about the organization and its overall mission. Sure. The Union of Concerned Scientists is a national nonprofit organization. We were founded nearly five decades ago by scientists at MIT. And uh, basically, we put science into action to build a healthier planet, a safer world, and um, we conduct rigorous technical analysis that uh, we then um, use to advocate for change, especially informing decision makers, federal level. But we also work shaping public opinion and uh, creating policies that uh, help solve some of today's uh, most pressing problems. And we have about a half a million supporters, including some of the nation's top scientists. and. Uh, we can mobilize those supporters in various ways to take action in support of science-based decision-making. In the When Rising Seas Hits uh, Home report, the union makes projections about when coastal communities in the lower 48 states may experience uh, chronic inundation related to sea level rise. Uh, could you please first uh, define chronic inundation? Yes. So we know that with the continued and accelerating sea level rise, um, some of the areas uh, in communities along our coasts are eventually going to be permanently inundated. But what happens between now and then, when does inundation due to high tides alone become so frequent and disruptive that business as usual becomes impossible? This is what we call chronic inundation, this, this level of inundation that happens very often. And we define it as inundation that occurs at least 26 times per year or every other week on average over at least 10% of a community's usable land. What uh, research tools did the union use to make uh, its projections? To create our uh, maps of chronic inundation, we use tide gauge records from up and down the coasts of the United States. And we found the water level that can cause 26 floods per year today. Then what we did was we extended the elevation of that water level over land, and we use digital elevation models, which are kind of high-resolution topographical maps. And then, digitally, when we allow the high tide water to extend over land, then it will go where the elevation of the land allows it to go, and then we can see the areas that are flooded today. To those levels, we then added sea level rise projections from the National Climate Assessment, and then we could tell where it was going to be inundated under different future projections. And then once the level reached 10% of the area, we could uh, we called it uh, chronically inundated. 
So the three critical data sources that we used were the tide gauge records from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, the, the digital elevation models also from uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and localized sea level rise projections. They were important to know that they were localized, so they are specific to each locality along the coast. And those, as I mentioned before, were developed for the third national climate assessment. Uh, could you please tell us the difference between the low, intermediate, and high scenarios that the report presents? That's very important. So the, the high scenario, as we call it in the, in the report, is the highest scenario of the national climate assessment. And it's a scenario that assumes a rapid ice sheet loss and projects a global average of a uh, rise of 6.6 uh, feet over 1992 levels by the end of the century. And we use that one because recent studies suggest that ice sheet loss is accelerating and that the future dynamics and instability of these ice sheets could contribute a lot to sea level rise this century. So this was the highest scenario for the 2014 National Climate Assessment, and it's not even the most extreme scenario because for the 2018 National Climate Assessment, they have an extreme scenario that projects eight feet by the end of the century. So we're not being, you know, the, the worst case scenario here. We're just dealing with something that is very likely due to the ice sheet uh, melting. The intermediate scenario is what the call in the National Climate Assessment, it's the intermediate high. And it assumes less rapid rate of uh, ice sheet melt. You know, and it increases over time through the century and projects four feet of sea level rise by the end of the century. And then the low scenario, which in the National Climate Assessment is called intermediate low, assumes that sea level rise is going to be driven primarily just by ocean warming, very little contribution of ice loss. And it's very much in agreement with the uh, the increase in temperature that is intended by the Paris Agreement, so that assumes that global heat trapping emissions will decline drastically and be limited. So we use that kind of as a proxy for if the Paris Climate Agreement goals were met. So these are the three, the three scenarios. And we use them because Decisions can be, must be made with a higher tolerance for risk or with a lower tolerance for risk. So depending on the tolerance for risk that these decisions have to be made, like a hospital has very low tolerance for risk. So we should use the highest scenario. And if there is something to locate like a school field or a park, you can use the intermediate scenario. The low scenario is, really is, is not to be used in decision-making very much. Uh, now let's concentrate on Florida. Uh, people who think sea level rise may be a problem for the next century and for future generations may be surprised by some of the union's projections, uh, especially under the intermediate and high scenarios. Um, what does the data show regarding coastal communities on the uh, Florida Peninsula? Florida, as you would expect, will be very, very affected by sea level rise. Uh, you Florida residents know that the sea has been rising and they have been seeing a lot more flooding. We have identified five Florida communities that will face chronic inundation by 2035 under the intermediate scenario. 
And with the high scenario, 18 communities will be seeing chronic inundation by 2045. So it's not for the next century, and it's not even by mid-century or the end of the century that these communities are going to be seeing this type of disruptive inundation. And another thing that we notice, of course, as sea level rises, the chronically inundated area in each affected community also expands. So, for instance, about 30% of Miami Beach um, is chronically inundated by 2045, but it's 60% of Miami Beach is going to be inundated by 2060. So, in the high scenario, so you see that the, as the sea level rises, it gets worse. Another thing that we notice also is that the difference between the scenarios can be crucial for the amount of inundation that a place sees. For instance, Sanibel Island, uh, by mid-century, sees 19% of its usable land inundated with the intermediate scenario, but 50% inundated with the high scenario. So you put in the time and the scenarios in play, and you can see that the number of communities and the extent of inundation increases with time. Why does the union want the public to be aware of this research? Um, and, and how can we make constructive use of this information? It's because uh, some of our earlier research had shown that some places can expect to be underwater later this century, right? And that's a very compelling story, but people are not going to be waiting until their homes are flooded every day to really respond to sea level rise. They should plan ahead of time. So we wanted to really help people in the communities to see the problem coming, get a sense of the time they have before things get really unsustainable and out of hand, and so that they can plan and, and get come up with ideas to adapt and to prepare and to reduce their risk and to reduce the level of flooding. Prepare for the threat and curtail it. That's our main goal in doing this research and putting the word out there. Because in the end, it's not a question of if sea level rise will inundate our coasts, right? We know it will. So we just need to identify where and when that inundation will drive really big changes in our communities. Well, thank you again for joining me. Um, oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners, for more information about the union's research and other articles in Gatehouse Media's Rising Seas series uh, about the potential impact of sea level rise in Florida, uh, go to gatehouseprojects.com backslash rising seas. Thank you. <laughs>